Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today, hour number two is here. We dive into some baseball discussion. What in the world are the Washington Nationals doing? Is this the plan for other teams in baseball? Do they have a fantasy approach to baseball? Fantasy Sports Today starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today, hour number two of our show. Craig Bish, along with Joe Pizzapia, with you here on the program. Good to have you aboard as we get into some baseball discussion. And, Joe, the uh, Washington Nationals certainly taking a different approach to the offseason, no doubt. Now, look, let's be real. They gave uh, Will Harris quite a bit of money to pitch the eighth or the ninth. Uh, They gave Daniel Hudson yesterday quite a bit of money to pitch the eighth or the ninth. They gave millions of dollars to Drupal Cabrera and Starlin Castro to play second and third base. They gave a few million more to Eric Thames. And it's an interesting process here because they've kind of spread the money around to think that they could still be in on Josh Donaldson at this point, I think is impossible. I'm, I'm guessing. But Joe, they, it's like uh, it's almost like a fantasy draft for us. It's like, do you do the stars and scrubs approach or do you go all in on one guy? It's very interesting. I don't know if they're trying to win the categories or what is just piling up. It, you know, the, the Hudson one is interesting because you can't expect him to pitch to a one four ERA again over that clip. I mean, that's that's an unsustainable mark, even though he was brilliant for them and a huge cog in, in this World Series run. You're not going to expect that again. So I understand bringing in Will Harris. And at the end of it all, how much did what was the Daniel Hudson contract for by comparison to Harris? Because we were talking about it's it's more um, or less. It's uh, it's very similar. Kind of, Kind of the same, right? So I guess I guess that's also we were weren't sure if Hudson wanted more, and that's why they went with uh, with Harris instead. But it it does kind of beg the question: Are the Nationals seeing something where they've got so much money tied up in Scherzer, so much money now tied up in Strasburg, they know they're going to have to empty the bank accounts everywhere, like the coin purses, whatever you got eventually when Soto needs an extension because that guy is an absolute monster, and there's no way you can let that guy get near free agency. I'm kind of wondering, is this approach viable? Are we in a state where there's so many injuries in Major League Baseball and it's such a long season and all these guys have all these issues that bringing in just proven Major League talent and trying to spread the money around and the payroll around rather than wrapping up all this money in one player like you could with maybe a Donaldson or maybe a Rendon, spreading it around and saying, no, you know what? We're going to get a bunch of guys who play baseball and he's going to play second today and he's going to play third today. And then this guy's going to play first today. And then Thames is going to play the outfield another time and, and going back and forth around that way. And I kind of wonder if that strategy is viable. And if it does work, do you think, I mean, we all know leagues are copycat at this point. If other teams will start to copy that, do you think it's a successful strategy or do you think this is just the fallback because they can't go out there and pay another premium guy? Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question, Joe. And and I think that some of it does come down to going over the tax. 
Uh, that seems to be like this hidden salary cap for some teams. Right. The Red Sox, the Cubs appear to be in that situation. But look, let's be honest. The Nationals put their uh, line in the sand there and basically decided, look, we're going to sign uh, either Rendon or we're going to sign uh, uh, Strasburg. They kept Strasburg. They let Rendon, Rendon go. It appeared as though that they were in on Donaldson to a time. But, Joe, they may very well get more production out of all of these guys than they do Donaldson. Now, look, I'm not going to say Rendon because that's a different animal right there. I mean, right, talking about a potential MVP. <laughs> uh, but it does remind me a little bit of fantasy, and it reminds me of you know the approach that you go into some of these drafts and the auctions, too, where right. you may spend... The Nationals have the best pitching staff in the league. Look how much he spent on Strasburg and Scherzer. And oh, my God, now a starting second baseman, Starling Castro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of all of these moves, but I certainly can understand them doing it. And when you think about it, uh, you know, rather than spending $300 million on six guys, they've chosen to spend about, if you look at the AAV, let's say about six for Castro, uh, three or four for Cabrera, I think. So that's 10. And then yeah, another you know, commitments time about 20 too. something million. They got four guys out of it. That's one Donaldson, you know, right? No long term five year deals, six year deals, seven year deals. You know, Strasburg got the big deal, but everyone else is two or three or whatever it is. Um, they're also trying to replace the production. They lost with Zimmerman, with Dozier. Um, the, the, the thing is, they haven't replaced the Rendon production. So I don't know how that's happening. Apparently, they still have a deal out there sitting for Donaldson that he could take if he wants which is funny because they have the leverage now to say, hey, we're good either way. If you want to come play with us, you can. If you want to go back to Atlanta, see you. We'll see you, you know, in the papers. But it's it's an intriguing thing because I think I feel like in a way, like you said, in a fantasy way, you're also looking at it as, well, we won the World Series. We won this many games. We had this much productivity. How do we replace Brian Dozier's 20-something home runs? Okay, that's Starlin Castro. Well, Cabrera came in last year and played well. And he was a cog. So let's bring him back because his productivity worked. And it's almost like they're looking at it from a, a productivity stance, like an overall, like you would in a season long Roto League. These are the numbers and the runs scored and the home runs and things like that we needed to win. Let's go back and get those again and we can get them in a more clever way. Uh, what do you think of Eric Thames? Because I, I know, you know, you look at him and you go, my God, he's so strong and all these things and you expect him to do more. I don't think he ever had lived up to the hype when he came in that first month when he came back over from playing. Uh, abroad and then had that huge first month and then basically was never this you know even close to as good after that do you like this signing or do you think this is kind of like what are you doing here uh i i personally don't subscribe to this sort of theory when it comes to major league baseball i think when you're looking at counting stats in a roto league or even in you know points league as you're discussing this makes more sense um I think the message here is more of what is interesting to me because the message seems to be is that the Nationals are not done. The Nationals are trying to defend their title. And by plugging some of these potential holes that they have, it gives them more depth. But by no means do I think that these four are going to replace Rendon. Um, will they potentially be better than a Donaldson signing? Maybe. Maybe that fourth year is what's required, Joe, for Donaldson to sign with Washington. And they have, as been has been reported, a three-year deal. Uh, how they can still have that three-year deal on the table, I really don't understand how that could possibly be the case after spending all of this money. But the reality is, for me, what I'm happy about is that there is a team in Major League Baseball that is trying to defend their World Series title. There are some people who will be cynical about that, Joe, and say, Craig, no, I like that, too. No, I, I agree with you, man. I think that's great. And you should. And maybe they're doing it in the best way, which is, you know, we're going to go out there with proven Major League talent, guys that have been around the league, guys that know what to do, professionals, 
and we're going to make short-term commitments to them and we're going to keep going out there and we're going to have the depth that if we have injuries, we're going to be able to overcome them because we have flexibility with guys who play multiple positions, which let's be honest, Castro, Cabrera, Thames all play multiple positions potentially if you need them to. And I think that's, that's important. Well, I think that the Nationals are in a good spot. They definitely are among the top in the division. Probably the defending champs are better than the Mets. Probably the defending champs are better still than the Phillies. And the Braves are really that one wild card team. I think that, well, I mean, maybe a division team, I say wild card, which means that there's a chance. I think they are the team that I think when the season starts, if they end up with Donaldson, probably end up being the favorite. I think that's the way that I see it. But look, the Nationals did some fantastic things. We doubted them a lot last year, and they ended up coming through. No question. All right, we got a quick timeout coming up here on the show. When Joe and I come back, it's time to dive into the mystery fantasy hitters of 2020. Don't go away. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. Sports today. And I like football. And I'm going to keep doing a book because they make me feel good. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia here with you as we kind of move into more of a baseball mode here on the show. Joe is basically full force at this point. I have yet to gravitate around it, still trying to fight through this uh, NFL end of the season couple weeks I'll be all in too but the one thing that I always find interesting is this time of the year and and we'll dive more into average draft position in the NFBC and some of the other websites as well and try and sort out where you should be taking players in your drafts this year but Joe the one thing that I always have a hard time with are certain players and they fall into a number of categories with me some are rookies some are players that had much better seasons than I thought that they would have players that had much worse seasons than I thought they would have players that had great first halves and bad second halves, and you know, conversely, bad first halves and great second halves. And what I would do is I would call them a little bit of a mystery. Now, I, I could honestly say that everyone has an opinion on some players, and that's certainly fine too, but there's no doubt that I'm going to go into 2020. There's certainly a chance that I would take on some of the players that we're going to go over here, but I can't give you a definitive what is going to happen to this player uh, this coming season. I can't do it. And so I put a list together of a few of them, and um, and Joe has a list of a few of his, too. And maybe I have a stronger opinion on some of his and maybe he has a stronger opinion on some of mine. So I'm going to get started, Joe, with arguably the biggest surprise in all of fantasy baseball in 2019. Unless you can give me another one. This was the biggest surprise for me. And that was Cattell Marte of the Arizona Diamondbacks, who had such a power surge last year, hit home runs, stealing bases, playing in the infield, playing in the outfield, an all star. Honestly, at the end of the year, a potential MVP and someone that it appears as though the Diamondbacks are building around. They're not looking to replace him. They're not looking to platoon with him. I mean, they signed a right fielder. They got a star pitcher. Last year, they traded for a pitcher with Miami who could be a number two or number three starter. It looks like the Diamondbacks 
are rebanking on the year that Marte had last year. Is he a curious player for you at all, Joe, going into this year? Or do you think that uh, that I should have some concern or should have some regression? Do you know who Cattell Marte is? <laughs> uh, well, I'll say this about Cattell Marte. Um, this was a player that I wrote about on Fantrax last year as one of the best ends to 2018 that nobody was talking about. That He really came on strong. There were a couple guys in that article. One of them was uh, Hyunjin Ryu. One of them was Mike Fires. One of them was Kettle Marte. And I drafted Marte everywhere last year based on that. And he blew my mind and my expectations. Then I turned around and I traded him everywhere because I was terrified of what's the fallout here. Where, where are we going with this? Because is this for real? Is this sustainable? And that is always the most difficult thing to do, right? When you do your research, you do your homework, you hit on a player, you're right. And then you're sitting there and it's above your expectations. So what do you, what do you do? How do you think about this? And he is much more valuable to me in that infield. You'd rather have him in the infield unless it's a five outfielder league. Then you can make the argument, okay, I want him in the outfield. I think, you know, going in black book to um, Alex Chamberlain did his write up in the black book. I'm sure he's probably a 25, 10, 300 guy. I think that's what you bid on because I think if you bid on what happened last year, I think you're putting yourself in a difficult situation. And I'm surprised ADP wise, he's not higher than he is. I think he's not quite the player he, he was last year. I got to think last year was an anomaly. There were some other things too, as the season went on a little bit trickier in the splits, but right now going in terms of ADP, he is in the high forties, low forties, I'm sorry, the high 30 range. So he's right around 38, which is the same situation as say George Springer and Charlie Blackman. Now Springer and Blackman have way bigger sample sizes. So you have to really ask yourself to take him in that same company. You have to believe in last year, like you believe in the track record of the other guys. And I don't think I'm there yet. Are you? I'm not, I'm not, but when somebody has this kind of skill set, he's somebody that I at least have to entertain that could possibly do it again. Some players take longer to go into their uh, prime. What's interesting, oh, hell, look at Nelson Cruz. Yeah, what's interesting <laughs> you know, about, about Marte is that they gave him an extension two years ago, and that year I got him. And and I'm like, you know, the Diamondbacks are not going to, here, here's a bad here's a bad take, the Diamondbacks are not going to extend a guy if he's not going to be great, right? And yeah, I was completely wrong. And then all of a sudden, the next year he was great. Got him one year too early. That happens in fantasy. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and say I was right at all, because in a redraft league, you draft a player and he stinks and he comes back and he has a great year the next year and you don't have him. You don't get to come back and say, well, I knew a year before. That's just, that's not the way that it works. This is the stock market. When you buy a stock that's down and it goes up and you make money, you take credit. If a stock you buy goes down or you sell and the next day it goes up, you don't get to say, well, I knew two days ago, but I didn't get to cash in on it. That's not the way life works. Well, that and that's why I traded him because I, I was so concerned with, oh, my God, this is way past my expectations. This can't be sustainable. The other thing, too, and this is, again, straight from the black book, he's 30 points over his BABIP, which typically means there's going to be some regression there, too. So all signs talk to him regressing and not being able to sustain that, all those deeper stats. But at the same time, we've seen players buck that trend two years in a row. So you got to keep that in mind as well. All right, my second hitter, uh, Joe, let's move on to a, a player that's going into potentially his, his really his first year of big league time, but it's his second year in the big leagues. I'm going to switch up the order as to how I originally thought I wanted to do this, but I want to go to, because somebody asked me a question yesterday, uh, Corey, who always messages me, on Kyle Tucker of the Houston Astros. Now, you know, Tucker is an interesting case because he's put up these astronomical, and he is an astro, no pun intended, minor league <laughs> numbers, 30 home runs, 30 steals, Springer-like type numbers. Uh, In the regular season last year, in the cup of coffee that he had, it was above average. Two years ago, it was very below average. Uh, I'm not sure how much the Astros really love him internally. I think that some people love him. Some people are not sure about him. Here's what I know. I know going into the year that Kyle Tucker should be given an opportunity to get 500 plate appearances, 
should be given an opportunity over Josh Reddick, who, by the way, has been a great player for a long time. But let's be real. I mean, as a full-time player, Josh Reddick's days, I think, are coming to an end. I don't know what to do with Kyle Tucker in 2020. Kyle Tucker could hit 35 home runs this year. Joe, he could hit five home runs this year. I don't know. Yeah, he's a he's the ultimate boomer bust guy. He's going 138 on fan tracks right now overall. And he's in that same category as guys like Kevin Biggio, guys like Ahmed Rosario, guys who have upside, guys who have shown you moments. But you're still not 100% sure who they are. Even Kyle Schwarber is kind of in that same range, which is interesting because Schwarber had a huge power year. Um, but looking at Kyle Tucker, I think it really reeks of boomer bust. He's so young at 23 that you don't want to give up on the talent yet. There's some concerns. Okay, what's the question? Um, I mean, the best projections are still going to be short of 30 stolen bases for him. If he has a full season, but I don't think if you, I think this is Kyle Tucker for me is not a redraft investment. I'm going to be heavy on. I think this is a great opportunity in dynasty leagues to buy low on him. If people are shopping or looking for draft picks or whatever they're doing, I think it's a great opportunity in keeper leagues. If people, you know, certain number of keepers and someone's got him as dead weight on a bench and you need some upside prospect type guy, Kyle Tucker is exactly the kind of guy you take because he might have just jumped the shark a little bit in some people's minds. And all of a sudden he becomes a very viable asset if he does hit and people just didn't want to wait. And he's only 23. So I think this is more of a projectionable player still than a redraft 2020 player. Yeah, I'm so fascinated by this player because we've been waiting on him for years. And I never would have thought two years ago that Alvarez would have been the guy that would have come up. Um, You know, again, I have the Astros here in my backyard, seeing them every single day and seeing these two kids play in spring training and and never thought that Alvarez would be above Tucker. And and he clearly is at this point, no doubt about that. Um, Well, did you ever think Yelich would be the kind of player who would go above Stanton? Uh, never in a million years. No, no, well, another you know, good sometimes example. Crazy things happen. Oh yeah. And that's, yeah. that's why it's, that's why it's, some of this is a, uh, a, is a guessing game for sure. All right. Uh, let's do one more here. Let's go to Andrew Benatendi, Joe of the Boston Red Sox, a potential MVP candidate two years ago, a world series champion two years ago. And like a lot of the Red Sox, and this is what I want to make sure I mention, like a lot of the Red Sox in 2019, they didn't repeat a lot from 2018. JD Martinez did. Betts was a little bit down. Benatendi was very down from where he was last year. So this is basically a bet on Ben Attendee. If you take him in fantasy, you're either betting on his 18 uh, or you're betting against his 19. It's just like one of the other here. And I'm not sure which way to go. I don't know if he is the MVP kid that we saw two years ago. Uh, I would buy low on him probably, but I am cannot say with certainty that it is the season that he had in 2018. That's repeatable in 2020. But do you think Joe, it's just simply all the Red Sox had a down year last year? Well, all the Red Sox did not have a down year last year because because Mookie had a good year and then JD Davis, uh, JD Martinez have a, had a good year. And uh, last time I checked, Raphael Devers and Bogarts had great year. I mean, how good was Devers last year? So I think this is a matter of in a year where you have more home runs hit than any other year. How did Ben Attendee just at 13? That's a giant red flag to me. This is a player I'm staying away from because if you're selling me on a 15, 15, 270 season. Well, hell, I can get that other places that don't have the name Andrew Benatendi attached to it because I do think, because he's a Red Sox, there's still a fair amount of buzz around him or a fair amount of hype or a fair amount of, of publicity because he's a name. And he's a name because he plays in a high-profile organization. You can find a 15-15 player who's cheaper than Benatendi in the draft. Um, I look at this, and uh, Benatendi was never a guy that I thought was going to be a superstar when I watched him play. I always thought he would be a nice player. And I felt like because he played in Boston, everybody wanted to make him a star. And because he was a young player in Boston, everybody overrated him. 
And it was kind of to his fantasy detriment because you look at the value now of where he is. And I look at Ben Attendee as he's a filler. He's that kind of guy. He's a serviceable outfielder. Would I rather have him or Willie Calhoun? I'll take Willie Calhoun. I think that guy's got way more upside for way more power. So give me that. I think those are the kind of guys you're talking in that same range. So that's my feeling on Ben Attendee. So I'm out on him this year, too, because I just don't think you want to pay the price to find out. Because I don't think at the end of the day, he's better than what he's shown you. Joe has some players that he's unsure of in 2020 on the hitting side. We'll get to them next. Don't go away. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. We continue our discussion with players that we are uncertain on in 2020. Now, look, we can also use a little bit of an asterisk here. Spring training can come. A guy can hit. Uh, I can be in the clubhouse somewhere. You guys know that that's where I'll be. All of February, all of March, no doubt about that. Uh, but uh, there's got to be some players for sure that you're just you're just you're on the fence with. You don't know. You need more data. You need more information. And Joe has also compiled a list of players, whether he's in or out is unclear. But as of January, uh, early January 2020, he's unsure on these players. So, Joe, who's your first one? Well, my first one is Jorge Soler. And the most frustrating part about this, because I was president of the Solaire fan club in Chicago for many years. I had the pins. I had the um, I had the hat. I had the nice. jersey. I had everything. And every time I watch this kid play, all I kept thinking of is this guy is going to be a stud. He's going to be a stud. Cubs, please just give him some playing time. Give him consistent playing time. And for whatever reason, the combination of injuries, playing time, consistency, it just never happened. And this was the first year I had zero shares. So for all the Kettle Marte shares that I had and then sold off <laughs> midseason because I was terrified, zero shares of Jorge Soler. And to watch him go and do what he did was absolutely stunning. I mean, the guy had a 48 home run season here. I mean, that is incredible. 95 runs, 117 RBI, and he increased his contact rate, which was really impressive. I mean, to go from 5.1 to 69, <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty big, massive jump there. Uh, the credence to the massive uh, 21 uh, 28 home run percentage to fly ball percentage there. Everything just clicked. Now, sometimes certain guys get into an organization and some instruction clicks with them. And I wonder if it's the same kind of instruction that Whit Merrifield got in that organization that went from being kind of a middling player to, Oh my gosh, Whit Merrifield had a 200 hit season. Every, I think everybody doesn't realize that Whit Merrifield had a hundred runs and 200 hits last year. Nobody seems to care. Um, but Jorge Soler, this is a dude where I look at the power and I go, Oh my God, I want to buy in. He's everything I thought he would be, but I'm still afraid should I be afraid, Craig, or do you think Jorge Soler has finally turned the corner and maybe he is the next Nelson Cruz late bloomer? Boy, that's a great, great one right here. Um, because, you know, there's a couple of schools of thought here. And that is, is that the comparison that I would make that uh, to a guy like this that kind of busted out on the scene out of nowhere, but kept it going, that we had these same conversations about in fantasy four years I ago. I know what you're going to say. I know exactly the guy. Jose Batista. No. 
No. Oh, no. wow. I thought no. for sure that's where you were going. Okay. No, but, but no, but that's a good, that's a good one from years ago. That's that you can, you can definitely put him into that same conversation. Except right. The guy that everybody thought was going to be a stud and never was. And then all of a sudden just blew up. Into right. Her. And he was good, but he was really good for a long time. I don't think Solaire is going to touch Bautista. Um, Joey Gallo is the one. Joey Gallo is the one that, that had a big power surge and has maintained it basically whenever and wherever he has been. Uh, I am, you know, I'm going to say that Solaire goes a little bit of a step back, but I still think that he is good for 30 home runs. So I think that if you bank on 30, I think you're safe. But I would also say this, to be honest with you, um, I thought Chris, I never thought Chris Davis would have, of Oakland, even after April, would have like a complete power failure like he did last year, too. It's not always easy to quantify. All right, give me your second one. Well, it's funny because then my second one is like within five spots of ADP and Jorge Soler is right next to Matt Olson, another big power guy that I love. And that's going to be tricky. My next guy is DJ LeMahieu. Man, let me tell you, I, I was out on DJ LeMahieu last year. You go back and you look at the road splits in Colorado, right? And you see he hit in Colorado and away from Colorado. He was not good. No, there was no reason why DJ LeMahieu should have been a thing last year in Yankee Stadium. But he was. Now, Yankee Stadium is a very good hitter park, too. But I mean, it's crazy to think of a player who had a better season. Now, granted, he had 349 Babbitt. He's 31 years old. But I can't believe when we sit back and realize, oh my gosh, what, what happened? This guy who had the worst splits, and we always talk about what's going to happen to Nolan Arenado's value when he leaves Colorado. Well, DJ LeMahieu left Colorado, and DJ LeMahieu had a career year. That always looks like an outlier to me. I'm staying away from him, so this will be two years in a row where I am probably out on DJ LeMahieu. But I look at him and I say, okay, the ball's juiced, probably going to be juiced again, would be my guess. Can he hit home runs? Can he hit 26 home runs? I don't know. I don't know if I want to bid on that. Can he hit 20? Maybe. But I think if you bid on 15 and he hits 300, because I do think he's a good hitter in terms of contact, that's always been steady for him. If he gives me 15 home runs, five steals in the infield and hits 300, I think I can live with that. My problem is I think in auctions especially, he's going to be highly bid up because he's a Yankee. That's because you're going to pay that Yankee premium. And that's enough for me where I stay away from DJ LeMahieu. Is this a player that you believe in what happened with the Yankees? Or do you think that is a big time outlier season? I think he's going to be similar to what he was last year. Of the four guys here, I think that I, I, I kind of think that he will have... How about this? Of the four players That's here, a big I'm, jump in dingers. Just saying, I, I'm most confident in this of the four players that we're going to discuss here. Not that he's going to be great, but that he's going to be the most similar. I'm more confident in my ability to analyze that he will be the most similar to what he was last year of the four guys that we mentioned. They all may be better, they all may be worse, but this is one player that I do like, and I think that he is a late bloomer. He came into his own, played in a good park, got it, got an opportunity that he didn't think would happen. I think he'll get more of one this year. And I think he'll be at least 80% of what he was last year. If I drafted him, I wouldn't be worried that I would get that. How about that? Of the four guys here that you mentioned, that's the one. No, I, I think that's fair. Um, it's just so funny, too, because they're all clustered in the same ADP, which they're all outside of the top 50 right now. And that tells you something that nobody wants to go all in on any of these guys. Yeah, the next one <laughs> I have zero. All... The next one is one I should have came up with. I, I, I mean, totally clueless on the next one. Yeah, well, totally clueless. But the funny thing is they're all out of the top 50, but all inside the top 100. So everybody yeah. wants in, but everyone's afraid to go and take a stand. And I think that's very telling. And you should pay attention to that. My next one and classic examples, which is why, you know, the thing I love most about when I write up the players in Black Book is when you get to dive deeper into a season, because the worst thing in the lazy fantasy is people look at the stats and go, that's what a player is. All right. Well, he had a 411 slugging percentage in 2018. Up until that, you know, 2019 season, that's who he was. He was a corner guy that didn't hit for power. And I don't want that. You look at the overall numbers, you go, oh my gosh, wow, what a good season Josh Bell had. Everybody remembers the summer where he, wow, you're really good at some point. And I remember him just being awesome and he's all-star and all this crap, right? But when you dig deeper, 
He had just 224 with a 761 OPS against left-handed pitching. In the second half of the season, he had just 233 with a 780 OPS. Basically, he had an incredible month of May where he had 12 home runs, a 390 batting average, and a 1238 OPS. The guy was out of his mind for an entire 30-day period. That propped up his overall numbers so much that the other splits I just gave you basically were not even didn't even matter because it made his bottom line look so good. That's how good his May was. This is a player that terrifies me in head-to-head because of the streakiness, because of the fact he doesn't hit left-handed pitching well, and because of the fact he bottomed out. Now, in season-long run, oh, you want to make a conversation that he could be a guy that still ends up with these numbers? Okay, I'll listen to that. But I don't know about you, Craig. Josh Bell is one of these guys. I would much rather take a shot with Max Munson, go back to the Reese Hoskins well. Josh Bell, to me, is all the things that you stay away from, and it always reminds Headley year where he had that one glorious month. I don't remember if it was June or in August or whatever it was. And he he had 31 home runs that year and he looked fantastic. And then eventually became a Yankee and he just never, ever, ever lived up to the hype. So Josh Bell, are you terrified of him or are you buying into what you saw in the month of May? Yeah, I think this is one that I may have to disqualify you on. Like you you basically said that you don't think that he's going to be good. Right. I mean, isn't that no, no. I, like, I don't think he is. Right. But, but then, there's a then, part. But I, I, I know, but that's not this segment. You I have to disqualify. I'm you so unsure, but I don't know. I, I understand. I guess I'm so unsure. You've, you've given I'm, strong. I'm you've given sure a strong. I don't know on Solaire, a strong. I don't know on LeMahieu. You've just said that you don't think Bell can repeat it. So you got I have to disqualify you. We have to move on. Sorry. That's not the name of this game. Okay, all right. You, you just said that you don't think Bell can. And I, and I, I thought that this else, was going to be a great discussion because I agree, because I don't know what he's going to be either. He was fantastic in the first half. He did the home run derby. He was nothing in the second well, half. I did ask you a question. I asked you the question. Do you think, I don't think he can be that player in May for an extended period of time, but he did have a May that was unbelievable and he finally showed power. Is Do you think this is another guy that gets dealt from the Pirates and he ends up in a better spot with more lineup protection and he can be that? I, I guess I'm not putting it on me to think that I think he's very confusing are you somebody that is confused with him as well? I yes, feel like him. it's trending in that was, one direction. Yes, I said okay. I was very confused. Yeah, what, because, because, because again, at the end, make it, an investment. It's it's unfair at the end of the season to uh, to take a player and say that because he had one great month that that doesn't count in a rotisserie league. Now you're playing in a head-to-head points like you uh, advocate. It's different. Or head-to-head it's, categories, even any head-to-head. It's matters. different, but in a, but we all also dealing with roto, and at the end of the year, the roto adds up, and what the numbers are are they are the numbers at the end of the season. Uh, I just don't know that that this is Josh Bell. I have no idea. We're going to find out this year. That's what I would say. Open and shut case. Last one. All right. Last one, Marcus Simeon. And this is another guy who's going 60 overall. So LeMahieu's 60. Uh, you got another guy, Solaire, 65, and LeMahieu's 68 or ADP right now on Fantrax. So uh, I look at Marcus Simeon, and this was another player I really liked. I didn't get enough shares of last year because I just felt like he's a good player that nobody cares about, but an imperfect one. And all of a sudden, he became perfect. 33 home runs, 123 runs, 92 RBI. Oh, my God. Um, you know, there's some other stats you can dig into and say, okay, well, maybe there's a little bit of a mirage. It's possible. Now, he always had some power. Is this a situation where it's a late bloomer, or is this a situation where it becomes a career year? And I'm concerned. I, I still think that he can be good. I just don't think he's MVP caliber good, and I'm worried that that's going to be the price. Are you worried about that? Yeah, I, this is one, again, that is a good one for this discussion because he was so far last year above anything that he's ever been that you wonder, is he now, um, you know, hitting 30 years old and in the peak of his prime because this is what happens to prime players or right. was last year an outlier? And the answer is we don't know. I mean, his OPS off the charts for where it normally is slugging off the charts, OBP 40 above where he was previously. Uh, so the answer is a very uh, succinct. I don't know on this player, but I'm not scared. 
I'm not scared. I, I would take him in a draft. So some of the, the others is the guy of my group that you are most confident in. So Solaire, well, LeMahieu, Bell, Simeon, that's the guy you like, DJ. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't like DJ more than these others. I like him almost as much. I, I basically believe what I saw last year. I do. In LeMahieu. I'm going to go with Solaire of this sure. group as I believe the most. I'm going to go with Solaire because... I always felt it, and then I just kept getting disappointed. So I'm going to go back to the, hey, all the work he did was right. It just didn't work out as soon as you wanted it to. So Solaire's that guy for me. Of your grouping earlier, who was the guy for you that you thought was the most ready like to be the guy? Um, ben Attendee. You think you still buying in? Okay. Yeah, I would I would go back to the well on Ben Attendee. Yeah, that, that's what I, I just think the Red Sox, it was the perfect storm last year of them going deep into the winter with all these parades and everything else. And I think, um, uh, unfortunately, and I do like Alex Gore very much, and I know him, um, I, I, w- I think that they didn't handle things right in the spring, sitting them throughout the whole entire spring. I think it backfired, not having any of the pitchers throw and taking it too easy. Um, other teams are not taking it easy anymore. You, I don't think you could do that. I think you have to have a good plan, but I don't think the plan in place could be just sitting guys. It, it, it seemed like it backfired for the Red Sox. All right, uh, we'll be back after this. More Fantasy Sports Today on the way. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Some fun-spirited discussion with Joe and I in our fantasy baseball talk. We will break more of that out on Wednesday show. And then as we move toward the weekend, we'll dive back into some of the lines, the spreads. And uh, there are a lot of people who think that this coming weekend is the best football weekend uh, of the year, by the way, in uh, in sports, because you have the divisional game Saturday, the two divisional games Sunday, and then, of course, the College Football National Championship on Monday. So a uh, really big weekend of football coming up and really our uh, last hurrah, so to speak, with our football coverage here for the year on Fantasy Sports Today, because really come next week and after the College Football Championship, it is uh, time really at this point to dive more into baseball with uh, football coming to an end. Uh, but another week of this, so let's uh, continue the conversation, Joe. Earlier today, it was announced that the Panthers have agreed to hire, according to ESPN, uh, Matt Rule, the now former coach at Baylor. And, uh, you know, Baylor clearly running more of a spread offense, wide open offense. He did a great job uh, with Temple for many years and then ended up going to Baylor. And to give you some background on what happened at Baylor, Joe, was that uh, basically he en- uh, Matt Rule entered a situation where Art Bryles was the head coach there. And if you're unfamiliar, Art Bryles had all kinds of issues with keeping his players in order at that school, all kinds of allegations of uh, of rape and and some insane things that there were reports and allegations that he was aware of, and inevitably he was let go. So what happens in that situation is that all of the kids leave the school who are currently there. So without having some very strict sanctions, the sanctions basically were: rule goes to Baylor, the team is horrible. You know they're they're two and ten like back to back years, and all of a sudden, as you saw this year, Joe. Uh, Baylor had that huge lead against Oklahoma 
and uh, and ended up blowing it, which kind of cost them their season. And then the Big 12 championship, they played well against Oklahoma again, but then lost twice. Oklahoma plays uh, in the in the college football playoff. They get knocked out, too. But I think that what the Panthers are banking on here, and this is this is interesting because rule is very good at the rebuild sort of, you know, like this is a rebuild coach. And I wonder if the Carolina Panthers are thinking that they are sort of in a rebuild mode. They have arguably the best running back in all of football in Christian McCaffrey. They have a couple of nice pieces at wide receiver. They have arguably one of the best linebackers in the NFL, although how many years can he continue to do in Keekly what he's done? Very hard to do and play at that level and play as hard as he does. Uh, what is, I mean, this this kind I get the sense the Panthers may be in a little bit of a teardown mode, Joe. Little, uh, this is what I, I sense here. I'm not sure. I think it's more of a retool than a rebuild. And I say that only because I feel like the quarterback market, you can really make a choice of where you want to go. I don't think the choice is Cam Newton for rule. Do you disagree with that? If you're a first year head coach in the NFL, I don't think Cam Newton is what you want to take on. I think that's a lot for you to take on the personality, the the injuries in recent years. I think you want to fresh start a quarterback and you want to bring in somebody that you think can get this. Now, whether that means more than one guy, I don't know. Maybe you want to bring in a competition. Maybe you want to go after Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe you want to build that way. I think you could retool and be very good because you have Christian McCaffrey, because you have DJ Moore. It's not a lot of spots where you can go in there and drop a quarterback who has the best wide receiver, uh, one of the best wide receivers in football, and then the best arguable running back in football. That's a pretty good spot to land if you're a quarterback. If Rule can get that guy to play up to snuff and the defense is still okay, you can yeah. make some free moves. I feel like you let Rule kind of pick his guy, don't you? It's going to be interesting. This is this is one of the more polarizing hires I think that you're going to find because I think that he's going to end up doing a good job there. But when you look at it, Joe, and, and again, I'm not – look, we, this is a different conversation on Kyle Allen now than we're having two months ago. Two months ago, we were – both of us were kind of like, oh, Kyle Allen's pretty good. <laughs> well, I think we learned you can win games with Kyle Allen, but you could also lose games because of Kyle right. Allen. But, but, let's, <laughs> but let's also call a spade a spade. They lost like 10 games in a row to they end did. the year. So the question is, is that is that the Panthers right there? Like, is that the team that's going into 2020? Because if it is, Joe, and they got annihilated by teams at the end of the year, is there that chance that the Panthers are only a two or three win team going into 2020? Then maybe it is. Maybe this uh, is maybe because, this is the way that they view it. Are they are they better than any other team in the Trevor Lawrence? Could you imagine what that? Oh, looks I would. Like? Sure that, I would do that. Look, I would. I'd be full tank mode for Trevor Lawrence. I told you I like him better than Burrow. But maybe this is the thing. Maybe Matt Rule has basically been brought in to lose a lot next year. And and look, McCaffrey could still get his thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards receiving. That's, that's certainly possible. Um, you know, maybe they trade the receivers, you know, DJ Moore, maybe See, they you trade don't trade DJ Moore because you got a couple years of control of DJ Moore and you're, you're, you're in a good shape with the offensive pieces. I think the first guy off the Island, if what you're saying is going to happen is Keekley. Maybe so. Keekly. I don't know Keekly that can help case. a team right now who is looking for a linebacker help. And there's a lot that are, right. and you could get a lot of draft capital for him and you could either turn that into more picks the following year if you want to sit on that draft capital. So there, the, the Carolina Panthers could be a very active team in the next couple months here as we lead up to the NFL draft and there's even chance they could even, you know, trade out of spots and things like that and just acquire a lot of picks. That's going to tell you what direction they're going. But right. I know. I'm trying to get ahead of it now, I guess. So I guess my question is to you is, are the saints more talented than the Panthers? The answer is yes. You don't even need to answer sure. that question. Okay. Are the Falcons? Well, I see the problem is it's incomplete because who's the quarterback in this, in this. Let's, let, let's make, let's make the assumption that the quarterback on the Panthers is the one that they have on the roster somewhere, either Newton or, if it's uh, Cam Newton, I think they are better than the Falcons. Yes, because Tampa? I think has <laughs> another one. Where was the quarterback? <laughs> you know, no, I, I, it's a it's a big part of it, uh, and I get and I guess the answer is, as you said, is a little bit incomplete. But I could tell I'm you, I'll tell you what I, I can tell you that I disagree. I think the Falcons are better. 
I think the Buccaneers are better with any decent better, quarterback. Yeah. And and so I think the I think there's a chance, and maybe I'll be completely proven wrong, which has already happened to me once earlier today. But I, I think that there's a chance that the Panthers may look at themselves as the worst team in the division. And I'm not saying that this hire uh, lends to that, but it wouldn't shock me to see them take a step back to take two steps forward. And, and well, you're not going to get rid of McCaffrey now. If you want to get rid no, of DJ Moore, no. you can get a ton for him. The Patriots will give you a first round pick for DJ Moore right now. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. And they would rather have the younger receiver, I'm sure, anyway, than trying to patch things together with you know an older guy. So um, I that would to me be uh, that if you put him on the market, you're going to get paid for him. You're going to get draft capital for him. You're going to get a lot for him. Keekly, I still think has a lot to offer too, because a lot of teams are looking for the leadership. A lot of teams are looking, you know, just the player. And yes, he's a little older and yes, he's had some injuries. There's no doubt about that. He's, but we've seen a lot of those players go to other teams and have great runs and get teams to Super Bowls because they've been lacking that leadership. And he could definitely be that guy. There's a couple teams at the top of my head that pop off right. too. But, but, but Joe, I, the, the Panthers yeah, no. also, I didn't even notice the Panthers had the worst defense in the NFL. Well, but if you're, if you're tearing everything down, who cares? No, right, right. If that's the case. Right. So but I think that, case, I think we have to, I think we have to, from a talent standpoint, and and again, with all due respect to you, I don't know how you could say that they're better than the even with more talent than the Falcons or the Bucks. Let me go through this. I didn't even realize this. Uh, the last six games of the year, thirty-four points to the Saints, twenty-nine to the Redskins. Right. I think they just quit. I think forty to the Falcons. You're right. They to the Seahawks. Thirty-eight to the Colts. When Ron Rivera went bye-bye, they folded up the tents and went bye-bye. I mean, that, there's that's there's a big correlation there to Ron Rivera being gone and this team just packing it in. So you're right, but I mean, I don't know how much you want to take away from that at the end of the day. Everybody knows a new coach was coming, and everyone knows, well, I'm not going to get hurt and put myself out here because I'm going to be somewhere else next year, and they might be right. Probably when you're looking at the Carolina Panthers, the smart thing is to tear it down and rebuild. But I don't think you tear it down and rebuild and get rid of Christian McCaffrey, right? No, I didn't I mean, say that, but he's the no, one. I'm, saying, I'm, I'm, I'm asking the question out loud into the into the air. I'm, I'm not saying you're saying that at all, but could you even fathom that? Or is that no. the piece that bring changes the entire complexion of an organization? Is no. that, is that the Herschel Walker type deal that you want to do? And you could take all those draft picks and somebody overpaying and rebuild the organization the way the Cowboys did, because you can make an argument. He is that kind of a player that some team might go, we have, we can get Christian McCaffrey. Let's do it. And you think about what Jimmy Johnson did turning over that roster just by dealing Herschel Walker. It's not insane. And I would never rule anything out. I would say it's doubtful, but you, you make very valid points. If that's the way that they go, I think that they could go in the Dolphins' direction, where, as you mentioned, they take Keekly and they get themselves a, a second-round pick. You know, we can start with that. Uh, they take DJ Moore, they get themselves a first-round pick. They take Curtis Samuel, they get themselves another second-round pick, and they stockpile all these picks with a coach that rebuilt Baylor, and they ask him to do the same thing and and help them rebuild the Panthers, and they start over. And the more I talk about it, and the more I hear myself talk, I think that that this could be the direction they go. But do you but, do if McCaffrey comes to you then and says, "I don't want to be a part of this"? Yeah, then yeah, Joe. I mean, yeah. There's a real chance when you when you're Christian McCaffrey, and you're like, "Wait a minute, you're taking away my offensive lineman, you're taking away the other, you're taking away the offense, you're taking away everything." If you're selling off these pieces and you're the lone guy there, and you're a running back, that's not good for your health. And we all know McCaffrey's dad is also influential in those kind of decisions too. Where hey, I'm the asset. I want to make sure that I'm maximizing what I can do when my football life is, you know, finite like everybody else's. What if he then comes to you because of that? Are you willing to make that hard choice if you start selling off pieces and your number one guy says, you know what, I don't want to be part of a rebuild. I'm a running back who's getting the ball, you know, <laughs> five million times a game, and I don't want to do it for a team that's been last place. That's a that's a problem. 
It is, and I know that you're just praying for the Patriots, but um, no, no, not a, no, not, I'm real. You know me. I'm the realistic one. I, you the just Patriots mentioned DJ Moore and the Patriots. Oh, DJ Moore is realistic because you would want McCaffrey on the Patriots. Up. Oh my gosh! Imagine they bring no, Brady back. Have, back no, I don't think they have the draft capital to do that. No, they don't. The they Dolphins don't. have the draft capital to do that. The Dolphins can sell oh, you a ton of picks. Can you imagine that? Oh my gosh! Can you imagine? Well, I'm just saying. Yeah, Parker, Christian McCaffrey, even with Fitzpatrick and Tua. You can still probably take two and still get McCaffrey. You probably have enough. Kick probably so. Probably so. And I think that's the kind of organization you look at and you go, well, the Dolphins are real interesting right now. The Dolphins hold a whole lot of cards. And I don't I think there's only they might be the only team that has the capital right now in that draft coming up. And then next year's too, because you probably figured they're not winning a division. Maybe right. not, that they're probably going to still give you another first rounder for 2021. So you have to think about future draft pick compensation in this conversation if you're going to deal with McCaffrey. But if you're tearing things down, I don't know. I don't know how far you want to do that because if you go all the way and you get rid of everybody but McCaffrey, I don't know what keeps McCaffrey here who's going to be looking at, what, this will be his third year in the league, right? This will be fourth, right? He's coming up on a contract year. Uh, yes, yeah, so he has one more year and then a contract. He has yeah. one more year on this deal. So you have to make one of two things. You have to either throw a ton of money on him or – Christian McCaffrey could be the shocking move of the offseason now if you think Maybe. that's coming. So what do we well what not if, so what are we going to predict here? We have one shot at this. Do we predict that they tear it all the way down or are we going to be completely off and they're just going to retool? What do you think? I predict you retool because the pieces you have are young enough that you could do that if you let Rule pick his own quarterback. I don't think you can do it with what's in house. I don't think it's Kyle Allen and I don't think Cam Newton is fair to put on Matt Rule. Okay, so you, let's say you could be right and and it's very possible. I mean, but I mean, it seems more plausible to, to go the route that you're speaking of than the one that I am, but, but yours is but, way more fun radio. So there's your hot take radio right there. You right. just became everything you hated in one oh, segment, well, but, but, again, but here, but you know what there, but, but there is some truth to it because uh, no one expected the dolphins to go all as far way down as they did. No one expected that uh, Yet they to trade Tunsil well. to trade Fitzpatrick and Drake was an easy one, but to go as far down as they did, no one expected it. So here is what we could end this with the show today. Who is going to be that team this year, then, if it's not the Panthers? Who is going to be that team, Joe? Because you know it's going to happen. Someone is going to tear this bleeping thing all the way down to the ground to try and get uh, uh, Lawrence. Now, it's not a matter of tanking on the field, because we saw that was proven incorrect. The Dolphins and Bengals played one of the most entertaining games all season long, and they both tried to win. Uh, Bengals clearly will be better, and they'll have their quarterback with Burrow, so we can eliminate them. The Dolphins are not going to tank again next year to get Trevor Lawrence. I don't think. I think they're going to draft two, as we've discussed, or another quarterback. So who is that team that's going to that's going to go uh, on paper two and fourteen? Ron Rivera with the with the Redskins has a lot of draft capital too. If he wants to go and attack, trying to get McCaffrey or some of his old guys, keep an eye on that. I feel like I asked a question you didn't answer it. Um, I think that Carolina makes the most sense, and everything you've said, it makes a lot of sense looking at that division to tank for Lawrence. Yeah, I do and tear it all down. And that includes McCaffrey too. Because if you're going to do it, you got to start over and do it right. Especially if McCaffrey was on a second year, it's different. He's in the last year of his contract. So you're going to pay him and yeah. then you're going to pay the big quarterback. And then I don't know. It's a lot to do. The, the Giants got their guy and they're on the upswing. They got yeah, the running back. They get the defensive player. I've, I've illustrated what I feel about the Lions. I feel like the Lions are in it to win it this year. I don't think that they're going backwards. I think that they're going to try and make a big step forward this year. Arizona lost a lot of games and they played a lot of close games. They have their quarterback. They got a lot of talent on that team too. Maybe a couple defensive players away. And then there's Carolina, you know, like and, and now we're now we're into the Carolina. You know, Jacksonville could be, too. Like, you know what? That's another one, Joe. That's another one. Mm-hmm. Right. Jaguars could be a team that just say, you know what? Fournette, everybody else get out of here. We got to look at their division is more winnable, though, than Carolina. Uh, yeah, the division's not where the Colts going to be. You know, I mean, like I just I don't know. I think you can look and, at that and one. Can, can Colts talk. fans endure another two and 14? No way. They can't do that to them. They can't do that. To try it's and get be quite an offseason. That's for sure. 
I think I think Jacksonville and Carolina are the two teams that are going to fight this thing out to try and get the number one pick in the draft next year. I think that, that that's where that's what I'd go with. All right, so uh, that was something that was turned into something from nothing. That's for sure. All right, we'll take. <laughs> I mean, speaking honestly. All right, uh, so let's do this. We'll take a short timeout. We'll come back next, and we have our two minute drill. Dr. Roto is coming up at the top of the hour. I am quite sure he'll have more discussion about the NFL playoffs, about Matt Rule now heading to the Carolina Panthers, what they may end up doing next, and any kind of fantasy discussion. Dr. Roto's got that for you coming up 2 o'clock Eastern. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia with you here on the show, and we'll be back to wrap it all up right after this. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia with the final moments we have left in the show. Let's turn it over to Joe Pizzapia for our two-minute trip. The two-minute warning. Two minutes, get your sh- together. Is that going to be enough time? We had not one, but two overtime games this weekend in the NFL playoffs, which is great. I love it, except for the fact it feels kind of dirty because when only one team gets to touch the football and basically you win the coin toss, you have a better shot at winning the game. It just feels empty to me. I understand you want sudden death, and I get that, especially during the regular season. Let's just get everybody off the field. Everyone's tired. It's been a long day. That's fine. But in the playoffs, I'm sorry. Every team should touch the ball one time. Touchdown, field goal, or indifferent. To me, that is not the way you decide a game by the flip of a coin. That'll do it for the show. Well said. In and out. We got to get out of here, guys. We're way over on this show today. A lot of content. Not saying it was good, but we had a lot. Thanks again to our <laughs> producer, Sean Glostomachia. <laughs> for my co-host, Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. Full-time fantasy is next. Talk to you tomorrow at noon. See ya.